Welcome to the O'Reilly Podcast. I'm Jeff Blyo. This podcast episode is part of a collaboration between O'Reilly and Teradata. Our guest is Simon Moss, Vice President of Industry Consulting and Solutions for the Americas at Teradata. Simon has extensive experience in banking and financial technology, and previously he was Managing Director at Grant Thornton, responsible for fintech in the Americas. Simon will be giving a presentation along with Ben McKenzie of Think Big Analytics called Deploying AI in the Fight Against Financial Crime in the Banking Industry at the upcoming O'Reilly Artificial Intelligence Conference, which will be held April 29th through May 2nd in New York City. We also invite you to watch our recent webcast, which featured Simon, Catherine Evans, and Avishkar Misra on using artificial intelligence to fight financial crime. It's on the O'Reilly site, and we'll have the link for that in the show notes that accompany this episode. And now, our conversation on how AI and machine learning and deep learning techniques are being used to fight financial crimes with Simon Moss. Hi, Simon. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It's very kind of you. Well, we gave a little bit of your bio at the beginning here, but can you give us a little more information about your background, especially what's related to preventing financial crime? Uh, you know, my, my career is long, and I think the police would call it spotty. Um, others would call it eclectic. I've spent 20 years uh, building companies, doing turnarounds, being on boards of directors. Uh, at the moment, I'm working with Teradata, enjoying uh, helping them go through a very significant transformation in, in many areas. Previously, uh, Grant Thornton's managing director, uh, was an entrepreneur building a, a company called Neuron, some other bibs and bobs, and also notably, and I think most relevant for this conversation, I was uh, CEO and leader of a company called Mantis, which is a transaction monitoring company, which uh, which we all sold to Oracle in uh, in 2006, which is a lot longer ago than I thought it was. I suddenly say 2006. Wow. Wow. It's 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we were... Um, instrumental in defining many of the processes and vernacular of the anti-money laundering uh, and fraud and compliance market. Well, when we talk about using artificial intelligence to fight financial crime, what kind of financial crimes are we talking about preventing? I, I guess many people might instantly think of credit card fraud and identity theft, and you just mentioned money laundering. But what are, what are some of the things that industries are dealing with? Well, I, I think that we we need to categorize financial crime by the performance requirements. So obviously, when you look at credit card fraud and, and elements like that, you're, you're dealing with point of sale. And then the most critical component of point of sale is that you need an answer quickly. And so, you know, machine learning, uh, artificial intelligence is really driving credit card fraud to be able to you know, be, become more granular in, it, in its analysis, but also to be able to provide very high performance, very quick turnaround of decision-making. Because if you and I are using our credit cards at Lowe's or Home Depot, um, we don't want to sit there for 15 minutes whilst the um, the credit card machine works out whether we've stolen the credit card or not. And, and so machine learning is really adding a, a much higher performance structure to that. Then you go a little lower and become much more sophisticated in the problems that you're trying to solve. And, and this is the world of synthetic identity fraud. Uh, this is the world of of, uh, of healthcare fraud and also anti-money laundering, human trafficking. Um, you know, here you're not looking for a needle in a haystack with with any of these things. You know, so so this isn't just a, a basic analytical discipline that's looking for outliers. It's looking for you know a binary difference in behaviour. You, you are looking for a needle in a stack of needles. You are trying to find individuals whose nefarious activity is disguised and hidden by pure normality by completely innocuous activities. 
And, and that is a fundamental challenge to the financial services community and an existential threat to the whole system. You know, if, we, if we look at anti-money laundering, or money laundering rather, in 1989, Time magazine said it was a trillion dollar problem. Well, the UN last year said it was 2.7 trillion. So despite the billions, the tens of billions of dollars that we've spent in processes, organizations, regulatory fines, technology, we are not stopping the, these people. We are not catching them. And so you know, this whole new set of innovations around machine learning, around deep learning, around inference engines is really giving us a really interesting uh, new set of weapons in, in this fight against these individuals. And uh, it's early days. There's a high degree of innovation. There's, there's too much hype for some of these innovations. But for sure, these are extremely powerful weapons that if we can focus them right, I think that we finally might be able to catch at least slow down uh, this constant tide of financial crime that, that impacts us on a regular basis. So before we get into some more detail on some of those weapons, Simon, um, can you quickly talk about some of the existing like non-AI related approaches and you know what they're good at and maybe not so good at? Sure. So let's break down the operations of financial crime. In other words, how, how an organization is, is, is structured. Now, obviously, the first step is understanding your customer, onboarding your customer. So in other words, you know, does the bank, using them as an example, want Simon Moss as their customer? Is Simon Moss's uh, risk profile appropriate for them? Is Simon Moss saying what he is going to do? Is he actually going to do that? And is he going to behave himself once he becomes a bank customer? So, you know, whole, the whole concept of entering the system, becoming a bank customer is a critical requirement. And, and so at the moment, a lot of that is self-questionnaires, self-certification. And we have a thing called customer due diligence where we do some background. And if the, uh, the bank staff is a little bit concerned about the potential customer, they then go ahead and do an enhanced due diligence. Huge amounts of man manual work going into multiple different data sources multiple different uh, 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 you know, websites and trying to get a better understanding of, of this individual. It is ill-disciplined, it is highly heterogeneous, it is very subjective, and it is very inefficient. So the customer coming into the bank, becoming a, a bank customer, is you know, fraught with risk at the moment and very inefficient. The second is, okay, now I'm a bank customer, you want to keep an eye on me. You want to make sure that what I'm doing is not crime, is not nefarious, and that I'm actually uh, saying what I was going to do when I first became a bank customer. And that's the world of the transaction monitoring system, the world of Oracle Mantis, the world of Nice Actomize, the world of BAE uh, Norcom or, or Fiserv Net Economy. You know, th these are terrific products, uh, high volume behavior detection products from, you know, from the early 2000s. They are built against known behaviors. So in other words, they are looking for scenarios of behaviors that uh, have happened in the past. Simple things like velocity and structuring and outlier detection and link analysis. In other words, to a certain extent, they're trying to close the barn door once a horse has bolted. They're trying to stop an event that has happened from happening again. And look, some of the behaviors they're looking for frankly come from the 1980s. It's not their fault. They're awesome products. They align to the regulatory requirements very effectively. They are not catching very many people. Uh, here, I think we can see a revolution in applying machine learning, artificial intelligence into finding the signal in the noise. Because at the moment, about 95% of alerts that a transaction monitoring system generates 
nobody even looks at. And then of the other 5%, about 90% of them are false positives. And so if I'm a money launderer, you take those statistics, I've got about a 98% chance of never, ever, ever being caught. Wow. And I think that perhaps explains the, the enormous delta between the trillion dollars in 1989 and the 2.7 trillion that we saw that we're seeing uh, 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 last year and we, we expect to see growing. The third part is it doesn't matter what technologies you put in, you're always going to have the false positive issue. You won't have it to the degree that you have it today, but you will always have false positives. And, and so how do you improve the efficiency of the investigation? How do you improve the efficiency of the fraud investigation unit of the anti-money laundering operations team? Because at the moment, investigation is, again, a very manual process. And you know, the, we, we talk with institutions that literally have thousands of people analyzing alerts that take an hour to two hours to analyze. Automation here with robotic process automation, but much more interestingly, with higher machine learning that can take multiple data sources, can map it to a case, can analyze it, and then in seconds make a decision on whether it's a false positive, whether it's normal business activity, whether it's actually something that needs greater investigation, or whether it is downright out, outright criminality. Um, it can add enormous amounts of efficiency. And so the combination of deeper learning at the transaction monitoring system, and by the way, we're not saying replace the transaction monitoring system that you have at the moment. These are great tools, but replacing Actimize with Mantis or Net Economy with, with Norcom is replacing one steam engine with another steam engine. So, you know, how do you supercharge it? How do you add new agile innovations on top of the enormously impressive work that's been invested in in the past? And then secondly, how do you automate the investigation and interdiction? And those are two areas that we're exploring hard with customers that we've had a major success with, with the Northern European Bank. And, and we expect, you know, we'll, we'll change the market because if we can start to find signal in the noise, in other words, in the 95% of alerts that are never, ever investigated. And if we can increase the speed of investigation and interdiction from a couple of hours to a couple of minutes, we will revolutionize not only the cost efficiency of the fraud and anti-money laundering business, but the ability of the financial system to protect itself against financial crime, tax evasion, human trafficking, terrorism, money laundering, and the narco economy. These projects are that important. And I hasten to add that your average anti-money laundering officer can add more value to or, or more security to our daily lives than you know some poor sod sitting in a tank in the middle of a desert somewhere. Uh, it, it is that important. Wow. Well, can you give us some examples of some innovative AI techniques that are that are proving to work? I know you did a, a webcast recently where you talked about some approaches being taken in the banking and healthcare industries. Yeah, I think healthcare fraud is also a very interesting area. I think you know the three areas that we're looking hard at at the moment are you know identity theft, you know, since that, you know what, what's happened with the amount of information that has been stolen about us as individuals, and being a Gmail, MySpace, uh, uh, and an IBM employee, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a few Simon Mosses out there at this point. You know, that's one area that we're focusing at hard. The second area is obviously discussed um, is in anti-money laundering and human trafficking. And human trafficking has a slightly different pathology. 
to uh, you know classical money laundering, so that there are some esoterics in there that that is more complex to find. You know, and the third area is well, we intend to revolutionise the the, um, the investigation operations business moving uh, moving forward, and, and frankly increase its efficiency, but also cut its costs by you know a half to three quarters. Now, I, I talked about this Northern European project in which you know it was essentially a, a fraud deployment. You know, they were losing very significant amounts of money to fraud. Uh, you know, we were asked to come in, uh, have a look, and we were able to, you know, really in the first deployment, reduce the number of false positives by 50%, but more importantly, to increase the detection rate of fraud by over 60% compared to the existing deployment that they had. Uh, we, we've saved this institution millions of dollars. It was, uh, you know, we, we consider it a breakthrough. It's a production deployment, and we're in multiple conversations with several firms in the U.S. to do exactly the same thing. So, you know, what we deployed in this, to cover your, your point, what we deployed was really much more of a, a deep learning rather than a classic machine learning deployment. And, you know, we, we saw a 44% gain in actual detection. And from a false positive perspective, we, we saw close to, to 40% as well, close to 60% compared to a traditional rules engine, because the rules engine is extremely binary. You know, it is looking for behaviors that are already happening, whereas what machine learning is doing, it's actually trying to connect different breadcrumbs. It's running multiple scenarios at the same time. It's running multiple concurrent um, analytical approaches to try and look at the problem from multiple different angles rather than just trying to look through a keyhole like a tradi traditional uh, rules engine. Well, I want to ask you about regulations and banking and healthcare. We know are highly regulated industries, but there's obviously potential, you know, for privacy violations and other things. So, uh, is is there the potential that that some AI methods might might not be in compliance with regulations, or have you been able to kind of solve that problem? Well, that, that's that's a complex question to answer. So I, I'll sort of answer it around the houses first of all. Question number one is: Are regulations declining given the current U.S. administration? <laughs> Simple answer is no. We're dealing with some you know fundamental systemic exposures to the, the financial system and to the U.S. healthcare system. Yeah, this is not just a regulatory issue. This is a cost efficiency issue. This is a re regulatory insurance issue that needs to be solved, or at least needs to be addressed better than it has been uh, in the past. So we are not seeing in any way a decline in regulatory oversight, and we are definitely not seeing in any way a decline in the expectation of the importance of these investments from the banks and the healthcare firms themselves. In fact, it's quite quite the opposite. Um, you know, they, they consider that the issue needs to be solved, but they are pushing very aggressively to say we need to be able to solve it better from a transparency and an ROI and cost efficiency way than, than we have been in the past. So, you know, that, that, that's number one. Regulations are, are certainly not going away. Number two is the, our fight against the narco-economy, our fight against anti-terrorism has been calibrated to regulatory expectations. And so we're, we're dealing with adversaries who literally can change operating models uh, over a couple of weeks, even over a couple of days. Um, and yet the way we're tackling them, we are moving in the speed of the regulators, which is, I can assure you, significantly slower. And so there is a fundamental disconnect between how we're trying to catch a much more fleet of foot, much more agile adversary than uh, that we have. 
So the other area, these new innovations, these new technologies can come in is if the banks are serious, which I believe they absolutely are, they can actually take the lead at this point. So the market no longer reacts to the regulators to say, these are the 10 things that we need to do, but rather says, we've done these 10 things because we've deployed all these products in the past. Here's the other five or six that we are going to invest in, in applying new innovations, new technologies to actually catch and slow down the tide that is, uh, that is exposing these firms. And there's some real value in that. It's not just cost efficiency, but there's brand value. There's safety value. There's genuine marketing value in being able to tell your customers that the institution that they are customers of has a very secure brand and is really putting their best foot forward relative to some of the uh, exposures that, uh, that, that we have to encounter every day. So those are two principal areas that I think, one, regulations are not going to change, but I also think the banks will take the lead in the innovation in the deployment of technologies on trying to catch many of these issues that we've had in the past. Now, you mentioned privacy as the last point. I think that's an excellent question. I think that there is still somewhat of a challenge uh, around that, and I think it's more complex than perhaps your question. It's not just the privacy inside the individual bank. What we face here is a systemic threat. In other words, if I wanted to launder money, I wouldn't launder money in one bank. I'd launder money in four or five uh, because I am, at that point, diversified my risk. I am creating opacity in my behavior because uh, one bank at that point can only see you know, a few pieces of the chessboard uh, and therefore they have no idea what else is happening around them and, and therefore it's much more difficult for them to understand what game I'm playing. So one thing that what I often encourage the banks to do and, and certainly try to stimulate and we at Teradata will continue to do this is to try and get the banks to talk to each other, to try and share information, to be able to say this is not a competitive issue, this is a systemic issue. And the ideal world is for information to be moved from all of the banks into some sort of central technical utility so that we could run machine learning, run you know, deep learning analytics to find individuals that are laundering money across multiple institutions at the same time and find those really, really big multi-billion dollar schemes that are exposing us every day of the week. I think that that is an ideal situation. I also think that data privacy, data security is going to hold that sort of deployment up and make it much more complex and frankly, potentially even insurmountable to, uh, to achieve. Getting back to what we mentioned earlier about some existing traditional approaches to preventing financial crime, there are big, expensive, traditional systems out there, and there is understandably, I guess, reluctance to tear them down and start over again. So can AI systems integrate with these older systems? Yeah, no. You know, the one thing we're telling everybody is, please do not throw your old systems away. You've spent tens of millions of dollars, more than that homogenizing huge amounts of transaction and customer data into giant databases. You're running, you know, multiple scenarios that are regulatory approved. I know these are great machines. Um, they work really well. And, and I say that in all objectivity, given my association with one of them. What we are saying, though, is, you know, these are at this point outstanding foundational components to your financial crime strategy. But what 
should now happen is there are analytical innovations, machine learning innovations, analytic operational innovations that can very quickly be put on top of these investments so that we can innovate faster than we have been able to in the past. So we can set up analytical agility so we can react to news coming from the market so that we can react quickly to information coming in anonymous tip lines so that we can act very quickly when we find a couple of breadcrumbs and we want to follow those breadcrumbs and pursue them. These are often very complex, very long-winded operational and analytical exercises. What we believe with these new innovations, and we've certainly proven it in this Northern European deployment, and we seek to prove it with several deployments in, in the U.S. moving forward, is that these traditional tools and the investments that they've been, that they've been made into them act as an outstanding source of relevant information that new technologies can leverage very efficiently, very effectively. So we believe that many of these new innovations are actually force multipliers of the existing investments that have been made in the past. They are not replacing them. In fact, many of our competitors will walk in and say, okay, go replace this transaction monitoring system with this transaction monitoring system. Well, to be perfectly honest, they're more or less the same. They do more or less the same thing. So just put some TLC on the one that you've already got. Make sure that it's upgraded. Much, make sure that you know it can, it can process volumes appropriately. And then leave it alone and instead put on top of it these new analytical engines, these new uh, you know, very, very agile development frameworks and analytical factories that, that allow the, your team, that allow the deep subject matter expertise and allow the business analysts to build and innovate new ideas, new hypotheses, new, new analytics, new scenarios way quicker than using the traditional mechanisms. And what's on the horizon? Are there AI techniques or approaches that are being developed or tested now that could bring even more success to this endeavor? Yeah, I, I, you know, one can get excited about all these sorts of things. But in the end, let's be clear, um, you can run an analytical technique to allow an individual or a, a bank individual to phone me and say, hey, do you want a car loan? And I'll say, no. And I was just irritated that I got the call. That's it. Um, but, but then that same bank calls up and says, hey, we're not doing business with you anymore because we think you're a bloody crook. Well, that requires a significantly more assured, disciplined, and rigorous analytical set of techniques. And so when, when we talk about financial crime, we're not talking about analytics that you see in the marketing divisions, that you see in the pricing divisions. But, you know, to, to a certain extent, it is very akin to risk management and the way, you know, much more complex, uh, much more impactful analysis and the conclusions of those analysis um, uh, uh, generate. And so one has to be cautious in saying, you know, we're in for a revolution. I believe the components and the innovations will radically transform the transparency of an enterprise, um, both in understanding your customer on the CRM side, establishing more personalized, more atomic relationships with your customer, uh, but also on the risk management, anti-money laundering, financial fraud, human trafficking, pedophilia, all these, the dark side of the financial system. And I think we are going to begin to be able to shine 
much more focused light into those dark corners so that we can you know, either catch or deter individuals from exposing the institutions. So, you know, I, I'm very interested in the combination of containerized applications, microservices that distribute the analytics away from the center and to the actual data sources so that the intelligence is in the network rather than in the database. And therefore, you have an event-driven analytical network allowing decisions to be made much quicker. And I think we'll see some really interesting breakthroughs there in the point-of-sale deployments. For example, I was talking about credit card fraud at the very beginning of this conversation. But I'm also, you know, when it comes to looking for really complex exposures, money laundering being one of those, um, the, the, the breakthroughs that we're seeing in machine learning Combined with the, you know, the, you know, these ecosystems of APIs that allow you to bring in multiple different data sources into your an analytics, like social media behavior, like metadata, like multi-news information from newspapers around, around the planet in multiple languages, multiple website information and homogenizing that and bringing that all into a high performance analytic. We're going to be able to generate and understand infinitely more about our customers, about their behavior, and about the potential exposures that they can give to us or expose us to uh, because of these systems, because of these innovations. You take that one step further, and if we can crack the nut to say, what sort of information do we not need to redact to ensure that we respect customers' privacy? And can we combine that information across different enterprises, across different banks? And if we can do that, we truly can take a bite out of these, uh, 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 these adversaries that we face. Well, Simon, when you look at what you and your team have been doing for customers, uh, especially when it comes to the use of artificial intelligence, what are, what are the things that, that most excite you? Um, I, I think that we finally got a, a true application that excites data scientists. You know, when we, we talk about convolutional networks, when we talk about imagery, when we talk about you know, neural networks, everybody sort of uh, switches off. And it's always been focused at a very small group of, you know, frankly, quants. Um, the technologies combined with a lot of visualization, combined with augmented reality breakthroughs that we're having, you know, we're generating light quants. We're generating, you know, a whole new category of business people that understand analytics, that can bring their subject matter expertise, their business knowledge, their understanding of the market and codify that into analytics. And so, you know, we're bringing, you know, forgive me, in this war against money laundering, we're bringing, you know, really specialized troops into our side instead of the very esoteric data science approach that we've used in the past. And so I think, number one, democratizing all of these analytics, making them more intuitively simple to use is incredibly exciting. Two, I think for the first time ever, we have assets at our disposal that we are genuinely going to be able to find signal and noise. Uh, you know, what many banks have done, in fact, every bank has done, is that it has been inundated with volumes of alert behaviors that their transaction monitoring system highlights. And you know, many of their decisions have been based on how do we get the volume of alert down? And respectfully, many of those threshold manipulation, threshold editing, you know, many of those things have not been driven to find more uh, uh, exposures, but have been driven to get the volumes down. And, and as a result, we've actually institutionalized 
many of the risks that we've been trying to find. These innovations we have, if we can really put the productivity into the transaction monitoring environment and into the investigation environment, as the examples I talked through earlier, we are going to be able to really look into these volumes. And if we can find what I think we can find in these alert volumes and truly find money laundering in areas that previously were ignored, we will transform the market overnight because the regulators are absolutely interested in what's going on, are absolutely interested in the promise and the opportunity that these technologies can offer. So the combination of you know, us being able to finally deal and, and make sense of all of these volumes, of all of these challenges, and shining the light into you know, what, what previously was a very, very dark and very complex place to understand, combined with an ability to bring you know, new, smart, business-orientated individuals into traditional analytical disciplines so that we can focus that business knowledge into technology. Those two things are incredibly exciting and I think show enormous amount of promise for us and our customers in, uh, in dealing with some of these issues that we face. Well, Simon, this has been fascinating, and it's really encouraging to hear your optimism about these things. If uh, any of our listeners want to find out more about you or what your team is doing in this field, where should they go? So industry consulting at Teradata.com. Um, think Big Analytics as well, which is uh, the consulting division of Teradata. And, you know, if you want to find out a little bit more, I recently put an article out on LinkedIn about anti-money laundering and discuss many of the challenges that we've just been talking about in, uh, in this session. So look me up on LinkedIn as well. Well, Simon Moss, Vice President of Industry Consulting and Solutions for the Americas at Teradata, thank you very much for speaking with us. Delighted. Thanks for inviting me. And thank you for listening. For the O'Reilly Podcast, I'm Jeff Blyle.